0: Kirk Cameron, your host for the Secrets of the Back to the Future trilogy. In the next half hour, we'll take an inside look at the amazing trilogy of films that have carried Marty McFly and Doc Brown across the time barrier, spanning more than a century of adventure. Also answer some of the burning questions that back to the future fans all over the world have asked us. Whether it's about hoverboards, runaway trains or mystery scenes, we'll answer your letters. I'm glad that you wrote to me. At least someone is responding to my letters. I've given your questions a lot of thought, and I've come to the conclusion that if you think you are alive, then you are in some ways as alive as me. Even more, perhaps, considering I'm spending every day this month podcasting about the same movie. No matter how great this movie Back to the Future is You know a wise man once said Cogito ergo sum which translates to I think therefore I am I believe that man was actor Stephen Segal star of such films as Hard to Kill and The Glimmer Man I still can't believe that dude was married to Kelly LeBrock My point is this Nigel if you think you're alive Then who am I or anyone to stop you from being alive? I mean, unless, of course, I unplug the computer your brain is in. But is that murder? Now you have my head in a tizzy. I, I liked it better when I was just screaming for my mother's attention. Nigel, I hope that in some way I've answered your questions. And if not, I hope you at least leave me alone. And just sit back and enjoy another episode of Marchie McFly. Sincerely, your friend, Michael. March 7th, 2021. One, two, three. Marchie McFly. Marchie McFly. Marchie McFly is Marchie McFly. Marching in Fly is Marching the Fly. Seven days in a row, I've watched Back to the Future. And for seven days in a row, I've heard this score um, playing right before I start talking. And I have to tell you, every time, it just makes me feel good. I feel good. Um, also, watching the movie every day, just, just, um, in grains? Is that the right word? It just nails home the fact that this is my favorite movie of all time and uh, nothing's gonna change it. That's not a song. Anyway, folks, today I thought I would do something very specific. I want to go through an article that I found and just kind of talk about it. I breezed through this article the other day. And I was like, oh, this would be interesting. Oh, some of this I know. Some of this I'm not so sure about. And I thought, you know what? Why don't we just talk about the article together? You, well, you listen. I talk. It is on a website called Mental Floss. Get it? Which apparently has been around for a long time. Their logo is showing a 20th anniversary. So they've been around since 2001. See what I did there for math? Did that pretty, pretty quick. I've heard... Of mental floss I think I've heard of mental floss it sounds familiar but I don't know like what they're known for you know like I found this article not by searching mental floss I found it by just searching back to the future stuff uh and it looks like I'm just looking at the homepage, and they have like uh, an article about science uh, a list of scientific things something about your animals um is it a science podcast? Oh, there's, you know, 10 facts about coming to America. So they it is entertainment, smart shopping. Uh, they have podcasts. Okay, so they seem to... It's basically, oh, the tw- 25 greatest revenge movies of all time. Is that The Sting? I, I can't tell. But that's definitely um, Robert Shaw I see a picture of. So it's all kinds of just um, articles and story like is there an about for for mental floss yeah i almost call it dental floss about us okay really quick about mental floss it's a destination for curious people since its founding in a duke university dorm room in 2001 2001 mental floss has reached more than 1 billion readers with smart quirky content presented in a witty upbeat voice our new york-based team of editors and writers as well as our worldwide networks of network of contributors answers life's big questions uncovers fascinating facts and finds stories so interesting that our readers absolutely must share them and look it's working because i'm sharing an article from 2018 july 26 2018 and it says 37 things to look for the next time you watch back to the future and i'm gonna go through all 37. it's interesting interesting that this came out in 2018 It seemed like a lot of things came out um, last year. You know, like they celebrated every five years the big celebration time for movies. And of course, I'm off a year. Uh, Of course, the big one, there was the big 2015, um, you know, uh, Back to the Future Day celebration. But this came out in 2018, written by a fella named Sean Hutchinson. And if I click on his name, it shows me other articles that Mr. Hutchinson Has written. And if I just look at the most recent article, it says uh, Zach Baggins shares facts about ghost adventures, John Carpenter's Halloween movie facts, A Nightmare on Elm Street movie facts, Alfred Hitchcock facts, Caddyshack facts. Okay, this guy um, seems to be right up my alley in the topics he talks about. And he has written. His last article was this past January, so he's still writing for Mental Floss. So that's that's good to know. And let's go through. I'm not going to read the article. I'm basically going to breeze through the topic, the headlines that that are that are said, and talk about them myself. Whether I've noticed them, I knew about them already. Whether I they're new to me. Whether I disagree with them. Um, and they have, you know, only a, there's only a paragraph um, at the beginning. You know, some of these articles. If I've learned reading an Internet article, you can skip through the first three paragraphs, especially a lot of these blogs where it's like, hey, um, so-and-so said something about so-and-so. If you go, if you like you just look for quotes, skip the first few paragraphs because they're always like introducing you to what so-and-so is. Like, we already know what so-and-so is. That's why I'm clicking on the article in the first place. I already know who this athlete is or this actor is. I just want to get to the quote. You can scan quickly to that. And with movie reviews, a lot of the time, if I don't want to hear, I I want to just see the quick thing about a movie review, I go to the last paragraph, and I just see what they say. Is something positive? Is something not so positive? I don't want to be, um, you know, in any way spoiled. So that's another trick I do. But, But for this, there's a paragraph, boom, I'm skipping it. And the first thing it says is Doc Brown's clocks are all pretty, perfectly synchronized. Um, yeah, no kidding. Oh, maybe I am reading this article. Look at the clocks in Doc Brown's garage in the opening scene and you'll notice that they're all set 25 minutes behind. What? No, we wouldn't notice that because you wouldn't find that out until he says it. We don't know what time it is. One of the clocks featured is a man hanging from its ha- if, hanging from. Its hands, from his hands. I'm I'm rewriting the story, In allusion to the silent comedy star Harold Lloyd's famous scene from the safety, from the film Safety Last, and of course also foreshadows Doc hanging on the clock tower at the end. Yes, uh, that we knew. That I talked about already. It says uh, number two, Statler Toyota is a running gag. I mean, yeah, it is a running gag as far as in the future and stuff. So, you know, like we see, we see the four by four is a Statler Toyota. We see in the, in the, um, do we see a Statler in the fifties? There's a Statler Studebaker in the fifties. Um, okay. Well, see, these are talking about the, 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 some of the prequels. So the, the name Statler, which again, I cannot find out has been used, uh, in multiple, uh, in, in basically every year. And I don't know why they chose Statler. I still haven't figured that out yet. Number three. Stanley Kubrick gets a nod okay this one I didn't know this was a kind of a cool thing so at the beginning when Marty's um, playing Doc's giant amp there's a sticker on one of the plug like there's a it's like a key almost it's interesting the input looks almost like a little key and there's a sticker on there you know like those old labels Doc loves those labels because he uses them in the DeLorean too remember the old labels my grandparents used to use them uh, that, that like you'd snap like uh you like punch on this on this long ribbon that's sticky that has a sticker and it would like punch a white letter on it uh i remember my grandfather had one that said buckle up he put it he stuck it on his uh you know in his old mobile before the days where cars would beep and ting and bing to tell you to put your seatbelt on he was like buckle up and he he looked at it every time he said okay i will so this sticker says CRM 114, which is a nod to Stanley Kubrick. Uh, in Kubrick's film, the CRM 114 discriminate, Discriminator is a fictional radio device in Doctor Strangelove. It's also the homophone Serum 114. Oh, Serum, get it? CRM Serum 114, the experimental drug that given to Alex in A Clockwork Orange, and it's the serial number of the Jupiter Explorer in 2001: A Space Odyssey. So, obviously, Kubrick likes CRM-114 for whatever reason. He likes putting it in there, and Zemeckis, or Bob Gale, or the set designer. Who knows who, you know, it it doesn't necessarily even mean that, uh, you know, Robert Zemeckis did this. It could have been just the set designer threw this on there. But it's definitely a nod to uh, Mr. Kubrick. Uh, Number four, Marty's into Soviet art. You know, I was trying to see what this pin was. You know, um, on Marty's jean jacket, there's a little pin. And so I am learning some stuff here. The red and black badge, badge, it's a button. Interesting. The red and black, the red and the black and red badge that Marty wears on his denim jacket says Art is Revolution which was a Soviet art and design exhibition that was held at London's Hayward Gallery from February to April in 1971 Marty is 17 years old in 1985 so he's like 3 years old in 71 which I you know I wonder why he had that sticker uh, I mean that 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 button which again a pin it's a pin you know like a that you'd wear uh, the kids wore in the 80s a pin a button whatever you want to call it a badge though i wonder i wonder no they they're they are definitely us based so just the fact that he calls it badge interesting uh robert zemeckis number 5 robert zemeckis gives a nod to one of his other movies uh that this one i'm going to guess makes sense you know in the back um when marty is is uh, on the back of the jeep you know uh skating he drives by a sign it says used cars i mean that Pretty on the nose because Zemeckis directed the film Used Cars in 1980. It was um, written again by Zemeckis and Bob Gale. It's pretty positive. It it makes sense that that's what that is, the the Used Cars uh, reference. Also, the newscaster scene at the beginning of the movie is uh, Deborah Harmon, who happened to appear in Used Cars. Now, is that a nod to Used Cars, or is that just Zemeckis liking Deborah Harmon? So she wants to use Deborah Harmon. He wants to use Deborah Harmon again. Number six, this one I completely disagree with, and it's been proven to, I believe, not be real. This one says Mayor Red Thomas fell on hard times. Now, in the 50s, you see reelect Mayor Red Thomas. Progress is his middle name. You see a guy on, on the side of a truck that says Mayor Thomas, the mayor of Hill Valley in 1955. And he looks about 50, at least in his 50s there. So he'd be in his 80s right now. And then in the future... We see the bum at the end. The future uh, it shows him. It shows a guy as a bum, and Marty calls him Red. Now it's funny. The it seems like Marty calls him Red, right? He goes crazy, drink, drive, and we see. Um, but in the closed captioning on the version I have, it says Fred. And what I read from Bob Gale is that um, Marty, like Michael J. Fox, just kind of ad libbed that right there on the spot because here's the thing they're two different guys and there's no way this guy is is the same guy 30 years later even it says the photo the photo of thomas in 1955 is the set decorator hal gosman and this is the actor i think his name is george flowers or something like that this guy who interesting enough was in the movie um oh wait that's one of the things they talk about later uh so anyway yeah, that one I completely disagree with. It is not uh, a reference to Red, but it kind of would have been. Co- it would have been fun if it was. Like if it was a really old guy. This guy's definitely not old enough. It's not the same person. And um, yeah, it's definitely this one I disagree with. Number seven, the guy who thinks Marty's too loud probably looks familiar. Yeah, everybody knows that's Huey Lewis at the beginning, where Marty's actually playing a version of of Huey Lewis's "Power of Love." And that's the music he says, you're too far loud. Then it shows Marty has a has a poster of the Huey Lewis sports in the background. Of course. And yeah, we like pointing out that music's playing really isn't that is not much to look for. You know, we 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 get that. And everybody knows that. That's not crazy. Uh, number eight, this one's pretty good. It says some crew members got background shots. So when they're when Marty and Jennifer uh, right after school, right after he gets, you know, kicked out for being too loud and they're talking. Uh, They walk by a car and the license plate on this little green car in the background says for Mary, which is a nod to Mary Radford, the uh, production assistant to the film's second unit director, Frank Marshall. And then this one, I I wanted to know what I was going to look this one up, but they tell me this article tells me uh, right away in the high school in 55 when George is getting the kick, you know, kicked on the back for the kick me sign and Marty and Doc are seeing it for the first time. It says, Ron Woodward, first senior class president. Uh, and what want to say the right man for the job. Ron, Ronald T. Woodward was the film's key grip. And he'd worked with Zemeckis on his previous film, Romancing the Stone. Um, number nine, Hill Valley's dirty movie started real life back to the future actor. OK, that's what I was going to talk about. So in 85, he's, you know, he's kisses um, Jennifer. He looks at her. Uh, as she's walking away, she writes, I love you, writes her grandmother's phone number on it, on this little on the Save the Clock Tower paper. And in the background on the movie theater, it says, Orgy American Style, which stars George Buckflower, the actor who played Red. See? Or Fred. But it's not Red Thomas, even though that would have been uh, a fun, again, that would have been fun if it was right, but it's not right. Um... It's, oh, it's uh, the town, the other town theater, the Hill Valley's other cinema, the town theater, uh, is showing the 1954 film called The Atomic Kid in 1955, just before Marty goes to the future. So when Marty goes to the future, the movie marquee says The Atomic Kid, which is pretty cool because, you know, that's kind of what Marty is, you know, Doc Sarmans' future boy, The Atomic Wars, Plutonium. He is basically The Atomic Kid. And of course, in the future, it is a church. With Reverend John Crump, which I don't know why. Number ten says Uncle Jailbird Joey. Yeah, everybody knows. Like, <clears throat> it's it's literally saying, "Hey, remember that cake, Jailbird Joey?" And there's the joke in the fifties where he goes, "Get used to these bars, kid." Yeah, no kidding. Number eleven, the McFlys love meatloaf. This one was an interesting one, or I don't know how interesting it was, but I noticed it after um, seeing this one. It says. Uh, Marty, when Marty arrives home for dinner in 1985, they're having meatloaf around the table. When he goes to the McFlies, in I mean, not the McFlies. The McFlies love meatloaf. I don't even like this article. The, the 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 title of this. It should be Lorraine loves meatloaf because in 85, sure, it's the McFlies, but in 55, it's the Baines. So when she goes to her family, those are not the McFlies. Again, I reject this even though i like the um i like the fact that it points out about the, the meatloaf and it says in early drafts of the script marty hated meatloaf so okay that could have been something but again um proofread this please and it says number 12 marty uh lorraine lays out the plot when she talks about i mean okay Based on Marty's time traveling with his brother and sister disappearing from the photo, this is exactly what he's trying to fix. It it talks about how Lorraine at the beginning talks about how Grandpa hit him with the car and it was meant to be. Yeah, okay, that's not really anything special. Number 13, the McFly's are big fans of the Honeymooners. Again, that's nothing. It's just the episode that that they're watching, that George is watching, is the same one that the Baines are watching. And Marty says, I've seen this, I've seen this. Marty loves Pepsi. Number 14. Marty loves Pepsi three. Again, these are 37 things and I am not quite even halfway done yet. So I hope you're enjoying yourself, but some of these things are, are pretty cool. Uh, Marty loves Pepsi free. Well, at dinner with his parents in 85, he's actually drinking diet Pepsi. When he wakes up with doc, there is a Pepsi free can behind him. Oh, there is diet Pepsi free. Okay. Uh, so there is, I talked about Pepsi-free only being caffeine-free, but it looks like that can says diet Pepsi-free. And, of course, that's what he orders in 55, where he tries to order. Um, and then it says he also has trouble opening a capped bottle of Pepsi. Okay, yeah, that's that's not really anything there. Okay, then number 15, uh, the Twin Pines Mall to the Lone Pines Mall. Lone Pine Mall, that is, you know, that is like one of the first things that I notice in IMDb Trivia that is very you know i guess when you're talking about back to the future you kind of have to you have to point it out but um the i like there was a tiktok guy on tiktok recently that pointed this out and he thought he had like solved some great mystery of of time and film like people were like, he was like what is this have you guys ever noticed this we probably did it the way tiktok people do now i don't have tiktok my wife does and it's probably like this Hey guys, I'm here looking at Back to the Future. And if you look back in 1985, it says Twin Pines Mall. Then Marty goes back in time. When he comes back to the to the to Back to the Future, it says Lone Pine Mall because he ran over Old Man Peabody's, um, you know, pine tree. Yeah, we get that. Uh, number sixteen, Zemeckis and Gale must love the numbers one and twenty-one. Uh, okay, well, I guess Einstein reappears at 1:21 a.m. and 1.21 gigawatts of energy is needed for the flux capacitor. Okay. That, That is interesting. There's a number right there. I don't know if 1.21 gigawatts is exactly um, what a lightning can produce. Maybe it can produce more. It just If you need that much, you have to get a lightning bolt. So I don't know if they got the number and then used it in other places or if they just like 1.21. Number 17, Doc's bumper sticker is prophetic. So he has a bumper sticker on his truck right before the... Um, it opens, and the DeLorean comes out, and it reads, One nuclear bomb can ruin your whole day. Well, isn't that pretty prophetic, as the title says, as the, the subtitle of this article, this part? Because, of course, the nuclear bomb he was supposed to be building it turned out to uh, be you know a, a fake so that he could steal the plutonium, and, of course, he ended up shot. Um, in number 18, Doc drops a hint for Back to the Future 2. Well, he doesn't drop a hint for Back to the Future 2. So that's this is like reading this as if Back to the Future 2 was planned, and it wasn't. Um, It says, I've always dreamed about seeing the future, looking forward beyond my years, seeing the progress of mankind. I'll also be able to see who wins the next 25 World Series. He wasn't dropping a hint for Back to the Future 2. What obviously, or what I assume happened is the producers are like, Hey, remember when the Doc talked about winning back the World Series? I bet we could do something like that. we could use that, and that's what it was, you know. Number nineteen, Doc's gun looks familiar. The gun he has, uh, in part, you know, the gun he has that he that doesn't shoot uh, they use in Bags Future Three. That's has nothing to do with this movie, uh, so again, it really doesn't. Um, that's unnecessary for for this year of Martin McFly. Maybe in two years from now. Number 20, there's a Rocky and Bullwinkle homage. Yes, I don't know if I've spoken about this yet, but of course, uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle had a little side cartoon, like a little bit, where it was um, a time-traveling duo, Mr. Peabody, who was a talking dog, and Sherman, who was a young boy. And of course, in Back to the Future, they're on Peabody's farm. And even though they don't say the kid's name, the, the... little kid's character name is Sherman. His name is Sherman Peabody, which of course is a direct reference to uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Number 21, Sherman is a fan of some classic comic books. He is a fan of Tales from Space. They show that comic book, which it says on here is a fictional comic book. Wasn't um, real, but... It was produced by EC Comics, not DC Comics, but EC Comics. There's a little seal that shows that, which is a real comic book uh, publisher. It says the um, it sports the logo of a legendary Tales from the Crypt publisher, um, EC Comics. Oh, that's Sherman. Wait a minute. It says Sherman used to explain to Mich- oh to his, fa- his father. Yes, I'm thinking George's comic book. No, this is Sherman's comic book. Uh, but yeah, EC Comics is a real thing, even though the comic book isn't. Twenty-two. Roy's Records did some time traveling too. It just talks about that um, some, like some of the albums they were showing, didn't come out till 1959. So they, somebody didn't fact check this one quite right. Uh, they, you know, they show Edie and Betty Page, the world's smallest radio, Unforgettable by Nat King Cole. Um, that's 54. It says the Chordette self-titled compilation wasn't released until 1959. Edie and Dixieland by Edie Gomes wasn't released until 1959. Yeah, you know what? It'd be a lot easier to look that up now, um, but that's number twenty-two. Number twenty-three. Hill Valley's phone book needs a copy editor, Emmett Brown. Emmett L. Brown. Oh, so there. Yeah, you- the L is there in the first one. Emmett L. Brown is. Um, he is. His name is spelled wrong, so it's two T's: E M M E T T. But in the in the um, phone book. If you look it up, kids, what a phone book used to be, it says E-M-M-E-T, but it did get the, conc- the uh, occupation of a scientist right. Now, what I just, I never really looked at it, but I'm looking at this picture now, and his phone number is one Klondike 54385 Okay, how the hell do you dial that? Like, how did Marty dial that? Did he call their operator? I don't, Like, please connect me to one Klondike 54385 Isn't that how they used to do it? 24, Doc lives in an arts and crafts masterpiece. Okay. Um, Oh, well, it says Doc's original house is actually a historic landmark in Pasadena, California, called the Gamble House, designed by architects Charles and Henry Green for James Gamble of Procter & Gamble. It's a prime example of the arts and crafts architectural movement made famous in the late 19th century. Okay. Okay. Um, Doc's house is pretty awesome. And knowing that it is actually a real mansion and um, that they were able to use. Pretty, pretty cool. 25, Doc's garage is of historical importance. I've talked about this, how the garage survived the fire. And the and the garage is now where he lives um, full time. Yeah, we got all that. Doc's, Doc, number 26, Doc keeps his mentors close. Um I may have spoken about this before, but in the beginning of the movie, when they when the camera is panning around and showing the clocks and the food, uh, the dog food, we see pictures of Albert Einstein, uh, I think that's Ben Franklin, Thomas Edison, and in 55, we see these, um, these drawings, these drawings, these photos uh, hung up on his mantle. That's one of them he's talking to. And he's like, Tom, how could I have been so foolish? Number twenty seven, that fantastic story is real. Eh. Okay, well it show you know, it when, when George is sleeping, it says Fantastic Story magazine, and it shows a robot on the cover, and then we see Marty in the uh in the Fallout hazmat radiation suit. Of course, that becomes the match made in space by George McFly book. Um, yeah. I mean, there's nothing that's that's not really pointing out anything to us it's just that's the plot of the movie 28 28 edward van halen is actually playing the guitar what why wouldn't he be anyone with an ear knows that's eddie van halen and uh i'm not going to talk about anything more about eddie van halen or the music of this um of that moment now because um i have something planned for that so i'm just going to leave that right there Biff and his ancestors are used to manure through the ages. Okay. And it's not really that exciting. You know, um, Biff, uh, we see, you know, he runs into the uh, manure truck in 1955. And that happens twice in one and two. Well, they show it twice. And then, of course, Mad Dog Tannen in part three, blah, blah, blah. It has nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with this movie. Doc never builds his models to scale 30. Um, Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, we know the joke of I didn't have time to build it to scale, and there's a joke that follows that in part three. Again, not really anything of interest there. That's that's just called paying attention to the movie. You're not finding anything that exciting. Um, 31, Doc's injuries are important to time travel. Uh, okay, let's look at this one. The bandage on Doc's forehead when Marty shows up at his house is from the eureka moment when he got the flux capacitor. Um, yeah no kidding the toilet is later seen in part two when Marty returns okay I guess that's um, I don't know that's nothing that interesting that's pretty much again just paying attention to the story 32 Doc spent a lot of time on his other invention that didn't work this I like because you see um, in the background in Doc's 1955 garage um, work area whatever you want to call it there's um, a chalk board with a drawing on it then we see another version of it from a a different drawing of it and then we see another drawing of it and it's that thing that doc wore on his head when he first saw marty in 55 trying to um read his thoughts when he says you're you want a donation for the coast guard youth auxiliary you know that thing Um, so that's that's cool that they that's a little easter egg in the background the show and doc's working on what he was working on until of course the flux capacitor came in. Uh, okay, number thirty-three. This one again, I vehemently disagree with, except for what we see in the future. This has nothing to do with Back to the Future One. It it, it is retconned. It is it is fit fitted. It is um, it works in Back to the Future Two, and it's actually a fun little thing. So it says. Doc's in 1955 He's, he's talking to, to Marty And it says The guy riding behind Doc and Marty in 1955 As the former Okay, I'm going to read this I'm going to try to read this exactly The guy riding by Doc and Marty in 1955 As, former, as the former tells him not to tell him What happens in the future Wait As the former tells him not to tell him I'm going to talk in my own words Because I can't read this when Doc is telling Marty, "Don't tell me about the future," you know, please, you can't tell me anything about the future. When they're setting up the the, um, the clock tower, the, the "quote unquote" weather experiment, there's a guy who rides by on his bike in 1955 in Part One, and it's saying he looks kind of uh, looks kind of like Doc because he is Doc. This is Doc. This is 1985 Doc who meets his younger self in Part Two. <clears throat> nope, Nope, cancel. That one is incorrect. This is there's just a guy riding by on his bike. Now, in the story of Back to the Future, yes, that winds up being Doc. Because here's again what happened. In part two, they're like, hey, there's a guy riding by his bike, riding his bike by in the part in in part one. Why don't we make that Doc riding by? Okay. But this was never like part of the plan. In the story of Back to the Future, okay. It makes sense now. But when you're watching in 1985, there's no, there was no plan for that to be Doc. Okay? That's like saying, uh, oh, look in the Raptors. I think I saw Marty, you know, in, in the Raptors of, um, of the gym. This is where I'm just saying that man will not look familiar because it's not Doc. Doc. In part two, it becomes Doc. They retrofit it or um, retcon it, whatever the term is. They make it Doc, but it isn't Doc until. Part two. Okay. We, 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 clear here at 33. Oh my God, this is my longest episode yet, but I'm, want, I'm glad I wanted to go through all these things. Uh, that was 33, 34. Marty mimics more than just Chuck Berry at the enchantment under the sea dance. Okay. Yeah. We kind of know that. So it's, it says here, I've read this before. Uh, yeah. While he's playing a little Chuck Berry, he also gives homage to Pete Townsend. Um, who also plays his guitar lying down like Angus Young of ACDC. Does he, does Angus Young lie down? I guess maybe. I don't know. I, I've read something more about that. But he, yeah, he, he's doing all kinds of things. Not just Chuck Berry. You ever notice also when Marvin's like, Hey, you know that new sound you're for? Leo you looking for? Well, listen to this. By the time Chuck starts listening, Marty's going crazy playing like like hard rock. And I wonder if that uh, had anything to do with, you know, if Chuck took that influence at all. 35, someone really needs to fix the De- DeLorean starter. Okay. Yeah. That's just part of the story. The DeLorean has trouble starting. That's, you know, okay. Uh, That one didn't do anything for me. 36, Marty remembers Doc's bulletproof vest trick. Mm, Does he? Again, this is talking about part three, but I could tell you right now that really, you know, Doc wears the bulletproof vest. In part three, you know, Marty makes a bulletproof vest. But let's be honest, he's he's kind of copying Clint Eastwood that he saw do it in a movie in 1980, in the alternate 1985. I, I should write this guy and correct him. Um, 30, 37, the last one, the clock tower ledge is a little worse for the wear. I've mentioned this, I think I mentioned this in yesterday, where in the original 85 it looks fine. And in the in the when Marty comes back, it has a big uh, crack in it, in the like off the ledge because of Doc so that's it that's the 37 um moments when i just hit now boom 37 minutes wow look at that the 37 uh things to look for in back to the future the next time you watch back to the future and a handful of them are actually things to look for the other things are things you're just going to see by watching the movie so i'm interested i wonder if these other articles now maybe it's me Maybe it's also me that I've watched this movie so many damn times that all these things or most of these things are pretty common sense. Um, so this could be me, you know, as a um, as a super fan, um, not, you know, just taking for granted that, you know, these things. But I'd be interested to know how many of these things were new to you. I'm going to put a link to this article in the show notes if you want to check it out. And um yeah, I think that's it. We did it Sunday afternoon, um, nice and early, huh? What do you think of that? Now maybe I, I finished this in time for you to enjoy it uh, while you're cooking out. If the weather, if you're someplace where weather is nice, uh, if you're not someplace where the weather's nice, put a coat on. It is very cold here in Massachusetts, but uh, spring is in the air. Well, not really. Well, actually, no. This week it's going to hit like close to sixty. And if you are living in a warm weather area, 60, you're going to put on a jacket and you're going to get, you know, you're going to make sure your slacks are on and you're going to be cold. When it hits 60 this week, I could be in shorts and a tank top, except I I wouldn't wear a tank top. Don't worry. But I could wear shorts, uh, a a T-shirt, a light, a light hoodie, maybe. My favorite weather is light hoodie in jeans. I wish I could wear like a a vest, like Marty McFly, a life preserver. Um, Yeah, I think I'm done. We did it. We did it, my friends. We did it again. I think this is my longest episode. And without any skits or songs, I mean, believe me, those are coming. There will be more. But not today, my friends. Today, it was just talking about our favorite movie, Back to the Future. My friends, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Geek Mentality. Of course, the website is com, And we're on Facebook. Just search Fans, not experts. My friends, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you so much for enjoying Marchie McFly. And until tomorrow, when we do it all over again, here is my theme song. This is my podcast I made it. Get Think that I'm worth your time and I'm kinda handsome My mom says, please listen and please subscribe And please listen to this it 40 minutes. episode Fans not experts, what are you looking at, butthead?